0: Possible, something that you can't do Your hope is running low It's out of your control You're praying help is coming soon He knows your sorrow Hold you tomorrow my- tomorrow This is not the
1: come on in have a seat as we prepare for our message I just want to give a few announcements and as you guys know Ryan Stevenson is coming into town I think he arrives about two o'clock today and we have a we have a free concert tonight at six o'clock and there's rumors a free concert first of all so tell your friends tell your neighbors tell your enemies tell everybody that um, six o'clock tonight we're gonna have Ryan Stevenson, and I heard a rumor that there are gonna be snow cones and nachos as well. So, where can you go to a concert and get a snow cone, but South Beach Church? I mean, come on, that's just the way we are. Um, and so that's yeah, tonight. As you guys can obviously see, uh, Pastor Luke is in um, out of town. He's up in Vancouver, Washington today. He's preaching at Crossroads, and so we're going to, um, at the end of the announcements, we'll pray for him. Um, he's probably taking the stage right about now, and so he's doing two services, and then he's going to get back in the car and drive back, and he'll be at the concert tonight, because you know Luke, and he does not miss anything um, if, he can, if he can help it. So we do have our weekly announcements up there, and uh, Celebrate Recovery is back. Uh, we took uh, the break last week because of the 4th, and how many of you guys had the great 4th of July? Everyone have a good fourth. Um, how many of you guys got in trouble for lighting off fireworks in Newport? Okay, we won't go there. Um, so there are a few things uh, going on this week. We do have uh, when the women's walk and talk this Wednesday at 10 o'clock at South Beach State Park. So if you want to join the ladies that are going to be walking and talking, because that's apparently what they do, they, won't let me, they, they will not let me go. I've tried. But... um. And then uh, we do have several uh, young, um, young adult um, activities throughout the summer. We, uh, just on Friday, we had all the young adults gather at my house. And my house is not that big, so it was kind of very packed. And we had burritos and games and hung out. So we will have several events. So if you are find yourself in that 18 to 26 range and looking for stuff to do this summer to get connected with other young adults, come and find me. But And then Rory's group, um, just a few things. There's no salt and light this week, but they will have it next Sunday. Um, And that's where, how many of you guys have seen where they go out and they hold the signs on the street? Raise your hand if you've seen that. So Rory's, what he's doing is he's encouraging the young people to step out, to step out in their faith, to be bold in their faith. And so what they do is they gather and they have these signs that's just simply signs of, of encouragement, That, you know, Jesus is the way, and Jesus changed my life, and Jesus changes everything. And they're just out there on 101, holding these signs, not pushing any agenda, not protesting, not taking stands, not anger, but just sharing love. And what what else does this world need but love and hope, right? So our hope is, and it's so cool that the young people are stepping out. So they're going to be doing that again um, next week, right, Roy? Right after church. So they'll gather here, and they'll go out and... You know, drive by, support them, throw some candy or cash at them while they're, <laughs> while they're out there. Um, and then they're gonna have like a post high school or middle school hangout at, up at the property. Um, and then the high school camp is coming up um, here in, in next week or two weeks. So there's a lot going on with the youth. I know it's kind of all a bunch of information, but if you have any questions, stop and talk to Rory, ask questions. But there are spots for the high school camp. So if you are still interested in going to camp, there are spots, but like I said, Luke isn't here today. We've got our good friend James Garrett. How many of you guys know James? All right. So naturally, he is nervous. You know, it, it sometimes comes out, and it always makes you more nervous when someone says that you're nervous. And, um, but you know what? James has a radical testimony. And the testimony always comes out in the message. Today, he's not just giving his testimony, he's giving the word. But I love that James walks out in his testimony. And so, come on up, James. We're going we're gonna to pray. Give a hand to James. Uh, that's, uh, w- there's always a video from Luke introducing, and I totally forgot but we're gonna, we're gonna watch this one minute video because it's super embarrassing and you have to see our pastor anyway. So let's look, let's look at this one minute long video.
2: Good morning, South Beach Church, Pastor Luke here. And as you have already discovered, I'm not with you here because I'm up at Crossroads in Vancouver, Washington, teaching for my good friend Daniel Fusco. So I need you guys to do me two favors. Number one, pray for me. I'm teaching at their 9 o'clock and their 11 o'clock. I'm teaching at Psalm 27. It's going to be such a powerful time. So pray for me. But what you guys get to experience here in Newport at South Beach Church is a blessing. We have James Garrett, good friend of mine, Bible teacher and a great man of God. He's going to bring to you out of Judges chapter 6 today. So what I want you guys to do here at South Beach is stand up right now. Get to welcome James Garrett as He comes up on stage. Everyone, stand up right oh, now man. and let's start clapping. Now we got to stand <laughs> up. All right, I love you,
0: and we'll see you next Sunday.
1: All right, you go. Stay, stay standing. Just standing. What we're going to do is just extend your hand forward. We're going to pray for James. We're going to pray for Luke. Uh, Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence to be able to hear from your word. Father, I just thank you so much for uh, your word, Father, that we get to get into Judges 6. And uh, they're just, sometimes they're just words on pages, but we ask that they come alive this morning. Father, through James, we thank you so much for Luke. We just ask that you, we thank you for the inspiration and the, the, how you've inspired him and you've gifted him. Father, just let that church be blessed this morning. Father, I really do, I pray that people come to salvation through Luke up in Vancouver Father, we thank you for him. But we just ask in this place, Father, for your presence and your peace. Just be all over James, Father, as he shares. Let him share from your heart, not from his head. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, I was going to do something, but I'm still going to do it. Can we stand up? Can we stand up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's what I want to do. If you can stand up, stand up. It's only going to be for a second. I'd like everybody to kind of, just kind of groove for the Lord. We can do it. Come on. There you go. There you go. Just kind of groove. Just kind of prime the pump a little bit. Want to get the Holy Spirit flowing. All right. That's good. Some of these guys are pretty good dancers. Now you can sit back down. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You said, grooving for the Lord. Those of you from the 70s, you know, you're a little earth, wind, and fire. You were kind of, you know, you were getting down. So ask yourself this, though, if you didn't groove. If you just stood there, ask yourself this. How are you going to pray for the guy in the grocery store? How are you going to come out of your comfort zone for the Lord if next to your brothers and sisters you're too embarrassed to come out of your comfort zone and do something that really... Does it hurt? It really doesn't hurt. You know, you got, you, you got to come out of your comfort zone. And so that's what I'm doing up here. I'm out of my comfort zone. I wasn't nervous until Durkin said, you know, he's, he's going to be nervous. I'm like, what? So that's crazy. Thanks, Adam. Love you, bro. So Pastor Luke asked me to do this when we were, uh, when we were up in Noah's Ark. And usually I start preparing and studying but I wanted to do something this time that was, a little, that was a little different. I wanted to go along with what he was teaching. I wanted to stay closer to the word because as I grow, as I grow in, in my own ministry and as I grow in, in, in my spirituality and my closeness with the Lord, I find out that it's all about the word. That the word is a lot more important than my testimony. And so I try, to, I try to tie it into the word a lot more. I mean, I could come up here, just read the word, say Jesus a hundred times, and then somebody would get blessed. You know, it'd be a lot easier for me. And and that would be okay. But that's not what the Holy Spirit told me to do. So I needed to get away. I'm a, I'm a busy dude, man. I, I, I own a couple companies, and, and I, I ministered at FTK. I don't know if you guys know Diamonds in the Rough. Where's my Diamonds in the Rough guy? Sweet. Yep. So um, I ministered a bunch of us knuckleheads that, you know, go there and try to figure out why we're yelling at our wives and, you know, why we're kicking the dog. And and we try to figure out, you know, how to be authentic men of Christ. And so being so busy, I had to get away. So I I needed a place to clear my mind. So the Lord says, hey, why don't you go up with, with Rory to the middle school camp? Get away and, you know what I mean, get up there and and just get into the Lord, and, and I was so blessed up there, I mean, I don't think you guys understand how amazing our middle schoolers are, how in touch with the Lord, and even putting them against other middle schoolers from other churches, man, ours rock, they're so into the Lord, Rory does such an amazing job making sure, yeah, give them a hand, amen, amen, give honor where honors due. you know, and and it, it, it makes my heart feel so good because I know that when my kids go to these, these events that they're taken care of. Not just physically, but their, their spiritual part is taken care of. Because I tend to get too busy and sometimes I drop the ball at home actually teaching them the word. So praise, praise God for Rory, man. Thank you, Rory. But I'm up at this middle school camp and, and I'm kind of wrestling with God because I got no service. And so, and I needed a place to get away because, you know, it's, it's middle school, so there's just chaos. And so I prayed to the Lord, and one morning I woke up and I asked one of the counselors, I'm like, listen, I need Wi-Fi. I got to put something together, and I don't have any service. I, I don't know how to get any content. And so she said, well, hey, they're up in the mountains, if you walk up here, it's about a half a mile, there's this little chapel. And if I could, do we got a picture of the chapel? I took a picture of this chapel. This is where the Lord, and it's funny, because the guy that created this chapel, he's already dead and gone. They started building churches in the 1950s, and there's this little chapel in the hill. So this is what the Lord prepared for me in 1950, so that I could put my message together. Look at this place, how beautiful this was. And I went, and I'm like, but I bet you the door's not open. I bet you I'm going to have to walk a half a mile downhill again to go get the door open, Look at this, the Fast Prayer Chapel. Now, that doesn't mean fast like quick. That was the guy's name, fast. So, yeah, that's what I said. I'm like, I got to get in and out, you know. So, look at this place, and you can see in the background, I knelt right there, and I had such a moment with the Lord. I quieted everything around me. I looked at the lake. Look at that beautiful view. And I I got touched by the Lord, and then I told him, I said, Lord, how am I going to do this with just your word? How am I going to put a message together with just the Bible? And he didn't say nothing to me, you know. And I could kind of feel his look. And what's crazy is, is there's a little chair. Thank you. You can take that down. There's a little chair right next to right next to where I was kneeling. And on that chair was my Bible. And the sun was hitting my Bible. And there was my. So I I, I did it like the old like the old dudes did. And you know what's funny is I put my message together up there, and then I came back, and I started looking for content. I had Wi-Fi. And you know what? Nothing. Nothing gave me as much content as what the Lord gave me, just being me, him, and his word. And that's what we got to do. That's what Gideon's finding out. That's what the Israelites, and and if you've been chucking along with us, that's where we're at. We're in in Judges 6, and we're going to get there in a minute. But just to kind of give you of where we're at, the Israelites they kind of abandoned God. They kind of got into their day-to-day process, and they kind of went away from what God was telling them to do, which is, which is easy to do because I do it myself. The devil is in the day-to-day. So the Roman soldiers, when, when the apostle Paul in Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God, the Roman soldiers, he talks about the shoes. And the Roman soldiers had 1.7 million miles of land that they, that they conquered, and before they taught the Roman soldiers how to fight, they would teach them how to walk. They would teach them how to walk, and they would have to walk so many miles, and they would come back, and then they would have to walk more miles, double the miles, in the same time, because they would have to learn how to walk, because the devil is in the steps. But wherever the devil's at, so is the Lord. We are blessed in the process. We're not blessed by the miracles. Now don't get me wrong. When I'm in a crisis, when when I'm in a battle, believe you me, I'm with the Lord. I cry out to him. I feel close to him, and he shows up. Or so I think he shows up. But you know what? I think he's always been there. I think he's always had my back covered. And so as we're finding out the Israelites, to give you kind of a little where we've been, if you haven't been here, how many vacationers we got just visiting? all right on welcome welcome give him a hand there you go give him a hand hey if we showed all the visitors the love and the prayers that i got this morning man this place would be even more packed i said yes to a july 9th um sermon because i figured okay july mad summer there's not going to be that many people there so you know if i screwed up you know not a lot of people are going to be led astray but we got a packed house how amazing is this We've been building a church. I don't know if you know, we got some land. We're in the process of building the church. And the closer we get to getting that process finished, which I think will happen in the next 10 years, the church. See, those are those those are our regulars. They don't understand what I'm talking about. The church has been growing. And it's so amazing to me to see how many people really love the Lord and how many brothers and sisters in Christ we have out there that we can connect with. And so I I implore you, if you see somebody on vacation, if you see somebody new, go up and say hi to them. Go up and love on them. Go up and show them the love that we got here in South Beach and in Newport. That that love doesn't stop at that bridge. That it can go on and on. Anyways, I'm going on a rabbit trail. (laughs) So we're in Judges 6. I'm going to start off, I think Luke left off on the word then. I got that underlined. I don't know why. I got that underlined, but he must have meant something on that word. But no, I think he left off. We're going to start on 11, but I kind of want to go back a little bit um, and tell you about, I mean, this, they call this the living word. And I tend to agree because there was a time in my life where I was like the Israelites. See, a lot of you guys may know my story. Some of you guys don't, but I came from a good family. I had a father who was in the military. I had a mother from Spain who was just a stay-at-home mom and, and loved and taught me the word. And I, and I knew the stories and I, and I was raised in the church. I was raised Catholic, but I still, I still got the word in me. I still went every Sunday. We, you know, religiously, man, we were at church and we were, and my mom would always donate her time and, 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 you know, we, I would see them tithe. And so I was, I was raised knowing the Lord. So I had no excuses when about college, I went left field and I went out on the streets. I had a home. I had a place. I had the promised land that the Lord promised me. It was right there. I, I, I didn't need to live on the streets, but I found myself living on the streets, sleeping in parks, giving in to all my fleshly desires and slowly coming away from what the Lord told me, hey, this is what I want for your life. And because I was a good talker in the church, I was a good talker on the streets. And so I used my gifts for my own selfish stuff. And I won't go into the details because that doesn't matter, but I will tell you this. I was exactly like the Israelites in that I didn't need to be there. They didn't need to be in those caves. And just like the Israelites... As we're going to read here, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but just like the Israelites, I I tended to get, uh, how you say it, I was mad at God. It was his fault that I was where I was at in my life, even though my choices were mine, even though the Lord promised me free will and he allowed me to have free will. And sometimes we get mad. We don't want to be able to choose our own path because when we screw it up, we always look back, why would you let me do that? So we continue on, and then all of a sudden, they were sent a prophet. Now, this prophet, as we remember, had no name. He didn't have any name. We don't hear anything about him after this. So we don't know if this was the only time he spoke up or if he was that nagging guy or that nagging girl saying, hey, check it out, man, the kingdom of God is near. Because I've had those people in my life who were constantly praying for me, and, and I'd call them. I'm like, hey, I need help. Well, let's one of them's name is Jerry, and this brother, when I was at my worst of my worst, would always minister to me, he would always play this little trick on me, he would always tell me, he'd pick me up, I'd be sitting in his car, and he'd always tell me that he forgot his glasses, and he likes to read the word, could you, could I please read it for him, <laughs> and so I would, we would read a Proverbs a day and the Psalms, that's what he wanted to do, and then we would, you know, and sometimes I wasn't, I wasn't even present. But he was planting those seeds. And to this day, if I call him with the problem, God bless him, he never gives me the answer. He says, well, I don't know. I'm pretty dumb. Let's, let's see what the Lord says. Let's go to the word of God because that's where it's at. I don't know if you guys figured that out yet in life. I got some older people in here like myself. That's where it's at. The word of God. We have to run to the Lord. If you're not reading your word, then you're not getting the answers you need. You can ask everybody in the world. You can, you can watch all the ministers you want on TV if you're not reading the word. If I didn't get into this word and just get me and the Lord and get quiet and get separated, and I had all those what I call ministering pastors to me to put together a message, And at first, I thought, oh, man, I'm kind of piggybacking off of them. I'm kind of stealing off of them. And the Lord says, the truth is the truth. Nobody owns it. And so I can deliver the same message as those old fire and brimstone pastors like Vance Havner, you know. And I I could do the same message, and it it means the same today, maybe even more, because the the world today is messed up. I was at that middle school camp, and one of the things that you got to understand is when I was little, I went looking for sin. I had to go looking for sin. Our kids, sin comes looking for them right in their room. There's no, there's no, I mean, the devil knows that this is a generation that he needs to get a hold of because it's almost done. So I'm going to get into the word now. And so we left off the last thing he read to me and I, and I have it underlined, but you have not obeyed my voice. So after he reminded, the prophet reminded him of everything God did, which as we praise and worship, and as we do all of our our priming the pump stuff, as we jammed, we do it backwards. We want the power of the Lord, the supernatural power of the Lord, and then we want to praise him. But that's not how it works. Praise precedes power. Peter, when he was locked up in Acts, he praised him. He prayed at night in the midnight hour. He sang songs, and that's when the walls came down. The walls didn't come down first, and then he praised the Lord. So I think that's where we get it backwards. I think we pray, and we wait for the miracle, and then when the miracle happens, we praise the Lord. But that's not how it's supposed to go. We're supposed to praise the Lord in the storm, Praise the Lord on our daily walk, and then the supernatural power of whatever we need will come. And if it's not the way you want it, if it's not the way that you prayed, that's okay too because the Lord knows more than you do. I promise you. Everything God does is for him. And even when we praise him, he's not some egotistical being up there that says, you need to praise me. I need attention. That's not why he does it. We praise him like David did in Psalms 103. David praised him to remind his soul just like this prophet did because we need constant reminders. When my mom was passing away and she was on her deathbed, everything she told me was important. We did not have not one bit of small talk. And Jesus at the Last Supper said, do this remembering me. And not just the death. The crucifixion and burial and resurrection, that's, that's good to remember. But every single thing he did, he just didn't die for our sins. He died for our sorrow as well. He died for our healings as well. He died for so much more than just forgiving this knucklehead of all the bad choices he made. But that's important too. The praise is where we get the power. You want to change your situation? Praise the Lord. Praise him in the storms. Praise him in the day-to-day. That's the hardest time to praise because everything's going good. I, I don't need you, God. I got a cat. His name is Spots. A lot of my guys know Spots. Spots is a beautiful cat. He comes up to me every morning. He loves on me, lets me love on him, and then I feed him, and then he's got nothing to do with me. And that's it. That's all the loving I get from Spots. He's coming around a little bit more, but for the most part, it's always something he wants. And one day I'm petting him, I think, That's, is that my relationship with the Lord? I go to him, I, I let him love on me, I, you know, and I let him pet me a couple of times. He feeds me, and all right, I'm out. I got this. I got it covered, God. I don't want that to be my relationship with the Lord. I started, in the day-to-day, I started just checking my reading the word off like it was, it was something I had to do. Like making my coffee. I used to enjoy getting up in the morning and having a cup of coffee. Now it's just like I check it off my list. I even drink the same amount. I mean, right down, I you know, OCD. And I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to be so uniform and so robotic in my stuff with the Lord that I forget what it's all about. It's all about having that personal relationship, being loved by a being that created you, and all he wants to do is love you. That's all he wants to do. That's all he's asking us to do is to let him love you. Well, Lord, I want to go down this road. Don't go down that road. It's going to hurt you. I'm going to go down anyways. All right, go ahead. But what if I fall? I'll be there. But you told me not to go down that road. I know. I have some kids that same way. Older kids, you know, they're out in life. And I tell them, hey, this is the way I did it that was right. This is the way I did it that was wrong. I would suggest you do it this way. And then I line it up with the word. This is what the Lord says you should do. And they don't always make the decisions I tell them to make. But they always run to me when the decisions they make aren't what they thought it would be. And I, and, and I try to warn them. I said, hey, man, I didn't invent this. What, the advice I'm giving you didn't come from me. I'm not that smart. The advice I'm giving you came right from the word of God. If we were a world that just listened to the word and did what, we wouldn't need leaders. We wouldn't need judges. We wouldn't need, we would just be brothers and sisters following what the Lord's telling us to do. And it would be good for all of us. That's the beautiful thing about the Lord. When he moves, when I pray for him, I said, I want you to do it this way. And he don't do it that way. He does it this way. It blesses more people than I thought it could possibly bless. And that blows my mind, and, and it always excites me, and it always builds my faith. And I want to go from crisis to crisis. You know, I find myself, all right, you know, getting nervous when I'm not in a crisis, when I'm not in a battle, like a soldier that comes home from war. You know, he puts his guns away, and he's, ah, he's antsy. And that's what we're talking about with the Israelites. That's what happened in my life. I, I, the devil was in the day-to-day until I messed it up so bad That I did what they did. I cried out to the Lord. And what did the Lord tell me? He said, you have not obeyed my voice. And my response to him was, Lord, I don't remember what you said. I'm sorry. Can you you send somebody to remind me? And this brother, Jerry, this prophet I'm talking about, I didn't see him for almost 10 years. And then I just out of the blue ran into him, just happened to be in the neighborhood. And I was in Oregon, and the Lord told me to move back to Arizona. I moved back to Arizona, and he was in a neighborhood that he didn't live in, and somehow, someway, we met up. And I was into the Lord. I was praising the Lord, and I, and I showed him, and he teared up, and he's he seen the fruits of his labor. Sometimes we get the results we're looking for. Sometimes we don't, and that's okay because it's not about results. It's about obedience. In Hebrews, it said that people were getting sawn in half, crucified, stoned to death, pulled apart. I don't think it ended like they thought it was going to end, you know, loving the Lord. And we got it so easy because when I love Jesus, nobody's trying to saw me in half or pull me apart. But yet I whine and I complain and I, and I, and I have excuses why I, I, I just can't follow the Lord today. Or even better, let me do it, God. I have this term that I use with my guys, man, you know, I don't be the fourth part of the Trinity. Sometimes we get so prideful that we want to get up there and say, God, we, I got it with you. Let's do this, Jesus. We'll do it together. I'll fight these demons. And then I see the first demon. I'm like, you got this. I'm good. I don't want to do that. That's scary. So let's pray and get into that. That was my introduction. That's crazy. Yeah. So let's pray and get in the word. Father God, we just, as we begin begin to get into your word, Lord, I just pray right now, Father God, that you use me in a mighty way, that you anoint my lips, that you anoint my voice, Father God. I pray that you anoint everybody in here. I pray that they came with a ready heart to receive what you have for them, Father God. I pray a special anointing over Pastor Luke who's delivering a message. I pray that we just... Plant these seeds, Father God, and not worry about how they're going to grow because that's your job. I thank the Lord every day that I don't have to be you, Lord, that you can just do your job and that I can have the wisdom and the knowledge to know when to step out of the way and when to let you be you. So as we're getting into Gideon, I just pray that you minister to our hearts, Father God, not just collectively, but individually. I pray that there's somebody here that needs to hear this. And I pray that they get it down in their spirit. I pray that it gets so deep in their spirit that they just can't control it. That they just, they, ch- they change their lives, Father God. And if it doesn't happen right away like a road to Damascus, if it's a process, then that's okay too, Father God. Because we love when you're patient with us. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so we're on Judges 6 Now the angel of the Lord... Came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abisarite. With his son Gideon threshed, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. So here we have the angel of the Lord. Now this is called a Christophany. And what I learned about Christophany is, in the Old Testament, there there was a lot of times, happened all the way back in Genesis, that Jesus would actually show up. Even though his time had not yet come yet, even though the virgin birth hadn't happened yet, guess what Jesus still did? He still showed up. That's the kind of God we serve. He's still going to show up. And he didn't send one of his angels. He sent his best. We serve a God that when we pray to him, when we ask him for something, he gives his best. That's the kind of God we serve. That's how much love he has for us. He always sends us his best. And so the angel of the Lord came and sat under the Terabithian tree. Everything with every word in here means something. In Terabithian tree, some, some translations say oak tree. These are mighty, these are mighty trees. The Terabithian tree... Can, its roots can go down into the toughest dirt, can just penetrate through the toughest dirt. And the, the old Jewish Bible, oh man, I'm past that. The old Jewish Bible, it stood for power. It stood for strength. It stood for righteousness. And this is where the Lord is sitting, under this tree. While Gideon is threshing wheat into the wine press. Now here's Gideon, and he's doing something that you usually do on high, you don't have to hide it, you thresh wind, you go up on the high, in, the, in his area, you go up on this hill, and you throw it up, and at night, every night, the Mediterranean winds would come, and you throw it up, and the, it would catch the chaff, get rid of the chaff, and then you'd get the clean wheat, but he's not doing it that way, that's not how he's doing it, he's doing it at the low point, he's, he's hiding And he's doing it at night and he's sneaking in and then he's sneaking back and he's because he's scared of the Midianites. Because this is how cowardly this dude is. And that's for the three things that you're going to learn about Gideon is he was a coward. Then he became a conqueror then he became a compromiser. Now, I'm going to hit on the coward part because I'm like Gideon in a lot of ways. I told you this was the living word. I was like the Israelites. Now I'm like Gideon. The prophet came to me. He reminded me of what I got to do. I, I brushed off my boot, bootstraps, and I said, all right, let's do this. Let's do this. And what was the process like for Gideon? Well, let's keep going. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Here's a guy cowering He's hiding. He's doing his job in the dark. He doesn't want anybody to know where he's at. And just like the Lord does, he comes and he speaks to him. He speaks through him. He speaks to him and says, This is what you're going to be. This is what you're capable of. You mighty man of valor. Now, I had a point in my story where where I was going to go be locked up for a lot of years. And there I was sitting in an orange jumpsuit, awaiting my, and, and my mother comes and visits me, the one who made sure that I knew who the Lord was. And I kid you not, when I say my mother looked into my eyes while I was in an orange jumpsuit at this visitation, she said, are you going to be all right? I said, I'll be fine, Mom. And she says, I know. You're going to do great things for the Lord. what do you mean you know I'll be etching out the Christmases that I'm in here I'm not talking about God in here that's for sure and she was dead serious and she prophesied over me years later when I was already out on the streets and I still was doing bad things another my wife's grandma came up to me and looked me in the eye and said the same thing you great man of God what do you not see what I'm doing You see all the mistakes I'm making, all the bad decisions I'm making. But guess what? God does not look at your stuff or your decisions. He sees you for who you are. And everybody in here has something that the Lord wants you to do for him. That only you can do. That you were created exactly for that purpose. When I was on the street, I talked a lot. When I got into the church, I tried to be quiet and sit in the back. And he said, no way. It's not how I created you. But Lord, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I don't get, because I'm not that smart. He goes, good, that's why I picked you. <laughs> what? So I'm like Gideon. I'm just like Gideon. I read this. I'm like, wow, I was, I was kind of timid to read this because to go along with what Pastor Luke's teaching, I don't know if you guys know it, but he's very knowledgeable about the word. He's been doing this a long time and doing it well a long time. But what inspired me, what gave me confidence, what took away my nerves is I'm reading out of the same book. So there couldn't be too much that you could go left and right. It's, it's the word of God. It's the truth. I don't have to stick up for the truth. I don't have to change the truth. I can borrow the truth from somebody else if I want. Because God wrote it. So we keep going with getting. I'm going to put on my glasses this time because I'm having a hard time. You mighty man of valor, Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? God didn't even pay attention to what he just. <laughs> he brought it out, man. God, you know, he said, man, you, this and this and that, And what about this? And you, and where, and you forsaken me. And God's like, go. Smiling at him. You figure he's having a, a, a physical contact and he's trying to, in his head, he's probably trying to put together, is this, is this the Lord? Is this, who is this? Is he tricking me? What, what's going on? And you're saying, well, where's the strength in that? He's a mighty man of valor, but let me tell you something. I found this thing from uh, from Chuck, and I'm going to read it to you. So Gideon had the might of humble, threshing wheat on the wine. So he knew how to be humble. You want to know what you need to do something for the Lord? You have to be humble. You can't be prideful. When the Lord called the people of the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, he never called anybody, two, two things he looked for, he never called anybody that was sitting idle. He never went in and said, hey, turn your video game off, I got a job for you. He never called anybody, that had their feet propped up, he called people that were busy. Elisha was on the plow. The apostles, were, they were out fishing. He always calls the people that are busy, and he always calls the people that are humble. He always calls the people that the world said, there's no way, just like me, when people that knew who I used to be, my family members, and some of my friends, when they see where I'm at today, there's no doubt it had to be God, because there's no way that I could have done what I've done for the Lord without the Lord. I couldn't have done it. I wouldn't have a ministry, I wouldn't have my marriage, my kids wouldn't be right, I I couldn't have done it. That's the only way that I solved all my issues, and it didn't happen overnight. I wish I could tell you I had a Road to Damascus experience, and the next day I was following the Lord, but it didn't happen that way. It was a process, and that's okay, because you don't have to Drop everything today. There's one thing that the Lord is telling you. And everybody in this room has that one thing that God's been saying. Change that. Change it. But it's scary, Lord. I don't want to. It's going to hurt. Both sides are going to be hard and they're going to hurt. Whatever way you pick. In this world, Jesus said, you're going to have troubles. But have faith because I've overcome the world. We're on the winning side. It's already been done. Te telesti, it's finished. What are we scared of? The outcome? What are we scared of? The 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 process? It's gonna hurt? Well, of course it's gonna hurt. I'm doing I'm doing this new vegetable thing with my wife, this new diet with my wife, and it hurts. I'm not lying, it hurts. Every time I drive past McDonald's or I smell Oscars in the morning, it hurts. Because I know what I'm smelling is not vegetables and I know it's not good for me. And I have a choice. I can pull in there, nobody watching, and I can give me a Big Mac. I can eat it and then I can go about my day. Or I can follow the commitment that I made to God and my wife And my wife asked me to do this because she loves me. Has nothing to do with her whether I eat good or not, other than the fact she wants me around. She wants to be with me. It's all for me. It's out of love that she has for me. And that's how God is for you. When he's telling you to put these things down or to do certain things, he's doing it because he loves you that much. So why do I fight against him so much? And I fight him. I try to manipulate him. No, Lord, let me check this out. This is how we're going to do it. I think this is a better way. I put in my, you know, my complaints in this little complaint box. I think if we would have done it this way, Lord, I don't think I would have had to go through all this heartache. Oh man, we're moving right along. So here we are with Gideon. He's blaming it on the Lord. This is what you did, God. This is all your fault. Well, you know what's funny about the Lord is he already answered that up here, but you have not obeyed my voice. I got some kiddos, and when they don't listen to what I tell them to do, and then things go wrong, they come back to me. What happened? Well, you didn't listen to what I told you to do. If I tell them to cut the lawnmower on first and and then cut the grass, and they wheel it around without cutting it on, you ain't going to cut no grass. And it's not because I hate you, it's not because I'm wishing against you, it's because that's the way things work, and that's the truth. Put my glasses back. So then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Why do we doubt what God tells us to do? Why do we get scared? Why do we say, I can't do that? I'm not a theologian. I didn't go to theology school. I didn't go to college to learn the word. I just read the word. And through my testimony and life experiences and being into this thing every single day of my life, the Lord has given me platforms when I I didn't even want them. And he's calling Gideon because Gideon doesn't want it. And he called Abraham, and Abraham didn't really want it. And he told Moses, Hey, Moses, this is what you're going to do. And Moses' like, You're tripping. I'm not doing it. I don't even talk. Well, I stutter. Well, here's Aaron. And Jonah, well, we all know about Jonah. Jonah didn't want to do anything. He tried to commit suicide to not do what the Lord wanted him to do. Why? Why are we like that as a people when God has a great plan for us and everybody gets blessed? Why? Why was I so worried? And you know what? The Lord never called anybody to minister his word or to be his prophets or to do great things that was sitting back going, I, I, I got this Lord. Call me. I am the man. I will deliver your message. We'll do this together. Come on, Lord. I got you. I've never seen him call anybody like that. And I've seen people like that and they get all disheartened because the Lord doesn't call them. before Moses went out 40 years in the desert and he, he, He went and he killed the the Egyptian. And he said, I'm I'm your leader. Here we go. Let's do this. And they're like, you're not our leader. You're a murderer. You're doing it your way. And he went out to the desert for 40 years. And when he went to his day-to-day and he got complacent and his life got happy and he patterned his life uh, in a real comfortable way and he got married, he had kids, he's, he's doing well financially, and then the Lord said, all right, you're ready. And he's like, nah. I'm good. I'm 80 years old. You're telling me to go defeat Pharaoh? I can't do it. You know they're looking to kill me. And God told him just like he told Gideon, I'm with you. And God is telling you just like he told me, I'm with you. Why do we think that God is not with us? Why do we think we can go into those deep, dark places and he doesn't go with us? He's there. All we got to do is cry out to him, praise him, and he'll come in. And he'll fix our situation. And sometimes he doesn't. You know how many things that I lost when I was on the street, people stole from me? I had to sleep with all my stuff in parks because people would rob me. Just like the Midianites. They would come and they would steal my stuff. Oh, Lord, why did you let them steal my stuff? And God looked at me and says, go home. What are you doing in a park? Well, I got I'm, my brother here needs me. Cause he's homeless yeah because his mom and dad are gone go home you have a room we have a place each and every one of us with the lord so when we get in these messes cry out to him praise him thank you lord for allowing me to be through these trials i don't know what your trial is maybe they're as hard as mine maybe they're not i don't know but you know what everybody's trial is important to them everybody's situation, what they're going through. Same thing with the middle schoolers. When they told me their issues, in my adult head, I'm like, well, it's not that big a deal, but it was everything to them. And we serve a God who will never leave us or forsake us. That means physically he cares about us, and mentally, emotionally, and physically, and, or spiritually, he cares about us as well. That's the kind of God we serve. And he'll never give us his second best. He will always send us his best. Always send us his best. And if we listen to him, if we follow him, if we do what he's telling us to do, well, uh, he's not telling me nothing. I don't have any supernatural things coming in my head. Well, then get away. Get away to your little chapel where you can quiet yourself from all the worldly stuff and get into his word and ask him. I promise you, i seen the little middle schoolers. They were begging God to have a movement, and they would get up on stage, and they would give their testimony. And they said, I've been coming to these camps for years, and this time I felt the Lord and they would tear up, and I would tear up, and I would sit in the back because I would tear up one after another, and I don't want everybody to think I was, you know. But how beautiful is it when you see the movement of the Lord? The Lord is ready to tear down that veil and come down and be with you. That's what he wants. That's what all this is about, is a relationship with him. That's, that's, that's it. And we're supposed to plant seeds. Irregardless of the outcomes you plant the seeds on well, what does it say in the word some of it's on the hard rock some of well That doesn't mean you don't keep planting You just throw out tell them the good news When I was young at Christmas time, I would get excited when I got something new I would be beside myself. It would be five o'clock in the morning. We want to call my friends I got to tell them, mom dad about this present. I got I got to tell them I got one For me, it was a millennium falcon Man, I wish I would have kept that thing today for you, it could be, it's the good news. The good news is, is we defeated death. We don't have to face death anymore. We don't have to be in pain and suffering by ourselves. There's still gonna be trouble here. This is the world, that's the way it works. And when you go up to pray for somebody, or you go up to minister somebody, or you go up to plant a seed, it's not about the outcome. Jeremiah preached for over 40 years and didn't turn anybody to the Lord. Now, in my eyes, That was a failure. In the Lord's eyes, he was obedient, and that's all he's asking us to do. And sometimes we get swallowed by that fish and spit up on shore. And I've seen the inside of fishes. There's nothing nice about what was spit up on shore. And then he goes and delivers the worst message of all. That's the story I always read before I go and deliver a message. Jonah just went out there where the worst probably message that any preacher's ever preached And everybody got saved. Because at the end of the day, it's not even about me or what I wrote down or anything that I told you. It's about what's the Lord doing in your life? What piece of this message can you take and put into your life? And let me tell you something. If you got lies, me and my man, we learn about this. If you got lies, take the lies out. But when you take those lies out, guess what? Don't leave yourself empty. You have to put in truth. You can't just take the lie out. You can't just stop doing what you're doing without putting in truth. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. I think we still got enough time. I want Rory, can you come back up too? And Adam, are you guys around? Did you guys leave? You guys hear crickets? I heard crickets every second. So I'm going to have the band come back up and I'm going to have people here to pray for you. If you got that thing that you're trying to lay down and you can't, you just want to cry out to the Lord, come up and get some prayer. If you've never accepted the Lord and you're here and you're like, man, I like this crazy guy. He's kind of weird, but, you know, I kind of think he's saying what, you know, what I needed to hear. Come up and get prayer. If you don't even know you know it or if you don't even think that you need it, come up and get prayer. Because we serve a God that cares about all your needs, that cares about everything you're going through. I don't know what you're going through, but he does. And honestly, I care about what you're going through, but I ain't got time to hear about everything that everybody's going through because I got stuff I'm going through too. And I got a lot of prayer this morning, so I'm not gonna Bogart the prayer. I'm gonna allow you guys to come up and get prayer. Don't be shy. Come on up. Promise it won't hurt for long. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you continue to do for us came down and you became the greatest man on earth. You had no servants, yet they called you master. You had no degree, yet they called you teacher. You had no medicine, yet they called you healer. You had no army, yet kings feared you. You won no military battles, yet you conquered the world. You committed no crime but we crucified you. You were buried in a tomb. Yeah, you're not there. We love you, Lord. I pray for every person in here. Like I said before, I don't know what they're going through, but you know exactly what they're going through. And their hurts are important. Jesus cares about your hurts. Jesus cares about your iniquities. Jesus cares when you're going the wrong way and he wants you to bring you back and go the right way. And if he's calling you to do something, just do it. Take that step of faith. We want to have faith, but we pattern our lives to where we don't have to operate in faith. I'll hang my keys on a hook. I'll put my things over here. And that way I don't have to have faith. That way I'm just a robot. Well, that's not faith. So if he's telling you to give, give. If he's telling you to pray, pray. If he's telling you to step out of your comfort zone and go somewhere that scares you, do it. But make sure it lines up with his word. Because he'll never leave you confused. He'll never leave you wondering. If there's confusion in it, it is not of the Lord. Seek counsel. Go to godly men that are smarter than you to godly women that have been trucking a lot longer than you and ask them say this is what the Lord is asking me is this what I should do and then hopefully they'll line it up like my brother Jerry he goes straight to the word well let's see what the Lord says the Lord told me to tell my story on the mountaintops and that's what I'm doing every time I get an opportunity to tell somebody whether it be one on one or whether it be in a group I tell it and like I said I don't have any Theology, I don't have any schooling. I don't have anything except for what the apostles did. I have Jesus who teaches me day to day and who thinks enough of me to say, hey, you're going to go and help these people fight their battles. Well, how do I do that, Lord? Just tell them the word. Get the word into your heart. Tattoo it on your heart. Hold on to it like it's more important than your car, than your money, than your house, than your wife and your kids. Because I promise you, with God, if God is with you, nothing can be against you. And He also protects your wife and your kids or your husbands. He loves us so much. I can't emphasize that enough. He loves us so much. I quieted the world. I went up to this mountaintop. I knelt on my knees and I I cried like I did when I was a newborn baby because I was touched by the Lord. And if I didn't get one word for this message, that would have been okay because I got to fellowship with my father without the distractions of the world for just a moment in time. And that's what I want for you guys. I want you guys to be able to tear down that veil and let God just come into you just have that experience cry out to him the Holy Spirit's already inside you waiting for it to happen and don't be embarrassed in a store don't be embarrassed to pray for your meal in a restaurant it's okay but the world's gonna look at you weird yeah they're gonna there's probably people in here looking at me a little weird but that's okay I don't care because I love God I want to love God as radically as he loves me. And he stayed with me and came down into places that not even my own parents could get. He came down and he ministered me in times where I didn't listen to anybody else. And he broke through those walls. Just like Gideon, he didn't feel enough. He didn't feel adequate. And the Lord kept reminding him patiently, lovingly. You got this. I'm with you. You got this. If you don't take nothing else from this service, take that with you. You got this. I am with you. The creator of heaven and earth and the fullness thereof says he's with you personally, every step of your journey. And the devil's gonna come. And sometimes it's not the devil. Let's not give the devil all that credit. Sometimes it's just my bad choices. Sometimes it's just my rough days where I just get full of emotions and feelings and just make the wrong choices. And that's okay because God doesn't look at me for what I do. He looks at me for who I am and who I'm gonna be. I look around this this sanctuary and I see saints. I see brothers and sisters in Christ that gave up their Sunday morning to come here On vacation, they gave up their vacation time to come here. Because you know, after we leave here, the restaurants are going to be full. But you know what? It wasn't about that food that they wanted to do on a Sunday. It was about this food that they needed to get. So if it doesn't happen, if you don't get prayer here, if you can't get what you want from God here, guess what? He will follow you out those doors. Your relationship with the Lord should never start and stop at those doors it's got to continue he wants to love on you let him bless you well how does that happen just do what he asks you to do i promise you it won't overwhelm you i promise you it won't be too much i promise you you'll be able to do it but it's scary i know this world is a scary place and it's getting scarier I had people pray for me this morning, but you know what? I just wanted to bring up the most special prayer that I got, the confirmation that I might be doing something right in this world, that I didn't screw it all up, is my daughter who came up and prayed for me, who was a leader at camp, and it just, it blew my mind, who when it comes to the things of the Lord is a little bit more intelligent than me, and I'll never tell her that. Unless you become like this little child, you shall never enter into the kingdom of heaven, it said. Why? Because they're excited about life. Because they get up with a purpose. They get up wanting. They get up excited. I used to be like that. I want to be like that again. I don't want to get up and and just start thinking right off, oh, look at all this stuff I got to do, Lord. I don't want to do it. I want to get up and I want to say thank you, Lord, for allowing me to do these things. Thank you, Lord, for that tree that I pass every morning that is beautiful, that looks different in every season. Thank you for my kids, my wife. I praise him for everything I got, and then my perspective on my day changes, because that's the kind of God we serve. We just got to be reminded of that. And we can remind ourselves, like David in Psalms 103, he reminded himself, he told himself to his soul. Tell your soul. God is for you, not against you. He will give you everything your heart desires. Because once you grab onto him, once you go his way, he'll open up the seas for you. He'll perform miracles so you can get to where you need to go. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. He doesn't need us to accomplish his plan, but he wants us. He wants me. If you knew my past, if you knew everything I did, why does he want me? I'm the weakest of the weakest. My sister's a whole lot smarter than I am. Why didn't you ask her, Lord? She's She didn't go off left field. She didn't, why, why me? Because I love you. Because I don't see you for what you did. And just knowing that, those who are forgiven much, love much. And I got forgiven for a lot of stuff. And I got a lot of loving left to do.
3: Surrender, this is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt, this is my surrender, and I will make Do whatever. There i yeah.
1: as well thank you as the song sung and as you made that declaration I will make room for you that's my challenge for you as we go today if there was a benediction it would be simply this make room for the Lord because he wants to make room for you be blessed go in his peace thank you guys we love you